Welcome to Season 2, Episode 64 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got my Royal Rumble crew, let's call them. I got Matthew Aguilar here. Hey, hey! Brandon Davis is back with us again. Are we throwing someone over the top rope? Uh, probably this next guy. Mr. Charlie Ridgely is making an unprecedented third. Is this the third consecutive? Yeah. He's repeating. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Comic Book Nation. That's where we are in 2020. We're on the Charlie three-peat. No, but I'm just kidding. Charlie Ridgely's here because we need his expertise. He's going to be reviewing Disney's Mulan for us and helping you guys, you know, figure out whether you want to buy this or what, what, the, what the deal is here. So we're going to get into that Disney Plus, you know, premium <laughs> Mulan release. And Charlie has the feedback. We also need this crew, uh, me, Brandon, and Charlie. We've got a chance to go out and see Tenet. Um, Matt was very staunch about not risking his life for this movie. So we did it. And uh, we're going to try to explain what's going on in Tenet and, you know, discuss full spoilers. Brandon gave you guys a great breakdown and review last, last episode. But now that the movie's out, we're going to be talking full Tenet spoilers. But that will be at the end, just in case a lot of you haven't gotten to see it. So we'll do that at the end. First up uh, in our news flash, let's just get into the news because, I mean, things are happening as we were just trying to settle down and do this podcast. Coronavirus is back. I mean, it never left, but Hollywood just got hit with a big one-two punch, DC specifically. So Black Adam star the Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson made the announcement last night that he has been um, dealing with COVID-19 for, I believe, a couple of weeks now. Uh, not only him, but his wife and his two daughters also tested positive for the virus. And um, The Rock put out like an 11-minute video just kind of going over what's going on with him, talking about like general wellness and just, you know, reaffirming that we, we all need to not like kind of slip on our protections in this virus and this pandemic and kind of just keep taking precautions because he said, he, you know, he's, he's going through it right now trying to deal with this and, and deal with it with his family. So we wish the rock the best and to get well soon. I know that's a personal friend of Mr. Brandon Davis over here. So I've been blowing up his phone all, all week, hoping he's okay, but uh, I don't know. He hasn't texted me back. I'm not sure it's the right number. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the rock has other, a lot of priorities going on right now, right, right in front of him. So like we said, we wish him the best. And um, yeah, right before we walked in here, we also got the update, and I'm sure you'll know this by now, that uh, the Batman star, Robert Pattinson, has reportedly also contracted COVID-19 and tested positive. The Batman had just gotten back into production over in the UK, and after sitting in a hotel room for months, you know, Pattinson was back out there in the suit just now when, you know, hype for him is at an all-time high with Tenet coming out and the Batman trailer and both kind of really bringing back favorable reviews of what he's putting down on screen. This is just kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is a stressful year, but um, yeah. So this is still fresh news. We have no idea what it means. We have no idea how he's feeling. I don't think um, from the initial reports, I, I mean, this is just one outlet still kind of broke this and said that it was him. Cause we heard somebody on the Batman pretty like in the production had tested positive and then another outlet said it's Pattinson. So this is all kind of uh, shaking out. So I'm not going to go too deep into this, but um, oh man, I hope this doesn't turn into like a big to do for the Batman's production and, and shut things down again and delay the release date. Cause 
we were kind of sitting pretty in that October 2021 release date, especially now that we actually got to look at this movie and kind of the tone and, and what it's like. That Halloween yeah. date seemed a lot better. And we did a whole thing about that on the show. So I hope again that Ro- if this is Robert Pattinson, this is the case and Robert Pattinson has COVID-19, that he's doing okay. Um, and, much. you know, speedy recovery and to that whole cast and crew to kind of get, be able to get back to work safely and securely um, if, if possible. I mean, this raises a lot of questions about, you know, the film industry and our attempts to kind of get productions back into production right now. And uh, I'm not going to blow up that grenade right now because I'm just wishing people well, but um, yeah, it's, it's like going back the whole going back to school things has been a kind of interesting start with two very high profile stars now coming down and, and coming down with the virus. So yeah. Any thoughts before we move on? Anybody going to tiptoe around this one? I mean, I, I, I think that you can look at ways other industries, especially sports have gotten back to it. Uh, and some did it right and some didn't. And it's a bit of trial and error and trial and error with this can be unforgiving. So it's a decision that people got to make, but I mean, you look at what NBA did and it worked. Everybody is mandatory in one place, no access to people. And if you want to get through your season and your playoffs, you have to stay there. You look at what MLB did and they've already postponed like 80 something games, but they started tightening the ship. So they learned from it. So I think there's a lot you can look at what sports did and Hollywood's going to have to do that. And honestly, if I'm a filmmaker, if I'm an actor, it's almost like you're in a time capsule collecting a paycheck. If, if they do what the NBA does, like, yeah, you have to be away from your family. And that's a choice that a lot of people are going to have to make. You don't, nobody's forcing you to do that. Nobody should force you, but you're almost three months guaranteed safety as the world tries to figure itself out while you're getting paid to do what you hopefully enjoy doing. I, I think that, what like what Tom Cruise did buying an entire ship so yeah. that nobody could access the outside world for now, if you want to do things this big with this many people and that many variables, that might be what you have to do. Uh, yeah. I'm with you as two people who have been to like film sets and productions. I mean, it's already crazy what they spend. It's already crazy what they do. It doesn't seem like it would be too crazy to just change the logistics, buy out an entire hotel. Like keep yeah. out everybody there for the for the length of production. And, production in the bubble, baby. And surround it with armed guards. Nobody in, nobody True. out. Like yeah. yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, I understand. Like the studios have to get these movies made. They're all bleeding money, and they're like that. You know, they they need to make these products so that they can start making money again. And I understand that, but it's gonna like you. It, at some point, you're like the expense might be human life. Uh, so you gotta you gotta figure something out to prevent. Uh, this this from people who are going to work it's like it, at that point it's almost not even a choice they're going to work because they have to go to work but if it's not safe they shouldn't have to do that yeah agreed and we have a proven way that works the nba has shown us the way to do it if you're a business that big with that much money so i mean i think if you know just it speaks for itself i'm surprised we didn't see more you know there were places there were films already like in production in australia and new zealand where things have been a lot better as of late, you know, we look at like Shang-Chi and, and um, Avatar and, and things that are down there. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, we talk about all the money they have that stuff like the Batman didn't say, all right, instead of moving inside, we're going to move to another country, you know, where it is safer. We're going to go quarantine for two weeks and we're going to go to this different country and set up shop and do the whole thing because that's where it's easier to deal with. Like that's how, that's where we can get production done. 
I'm surprised they didn't. Uh, they didn't make. To it be fair, fun. we are. This is all kind of a bit of speculation from all of us. We don't know what sort of safety measures they took. Right. 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 This could have been. I just yeah. mean. I just mean in terms of just the overall like. Got it. Maybe he caught what London is versus there. what New Zealand is. You know, that's on. Yeah, or maybe a crew member caught it on the flight. You know, right. or something. It could be. We don't. There, there's a lot of questions. But yeah. I, but yeah. the, as ter- in terms of just overall general safety for these productions, I think you look at the NBA and the tremendous job they've done of providing a safe space. And now they're bringing family members in because family members are quarantining, and once they surpass quarantine, they're able to sit courtside. So, you know, I, th- I think there's ways to do it. It might cost a little bit extra money, but if you want to make that money in the end. And the NBA also does like crazy regiments of testing. And they just got like a, they got like, <laughs> like one of the world's best testing regiments. Well, and and right not now. only that, yeah. what's great with that is like, not only were they testing, the NBA was funding the, uh, the saliva based tests. Yeah. Like, like they were as guinea pigs and they were paying for it and not taking any money back so that we could get those tests faster yeah. and like i mean studios could like warner brothers could totally do that and yeah but i mean the nba I mean. is very i because I, I agree with all those things i think the nba has done a remarkable job even though they also fumbled right at the beginning there were positive tests right when they initiated those things and they've learned but at the same time uh not every studio has an adam silver not every studio has the same leadership that the nba has shown over the last few years um so i love those ideas i don't know how I don't know if we're going to get that. That's but also, I mean, that's like adding on to what you're saying, credit to the NBA players because yeah, they are also not. They they are also like you're saying. There's leaders in there. In the, uh, the athletes are also leading as well. Yeah, they, they've all bought into like one common goal. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, yeah. My whole point in that is, and we're going to move on, but it's just like, yeah, you can't. You got to lock them down in like a hotel, and you got to test, go floor by floor every like every day, and just test everybody, like, and just get that ball rolling. I mean, that's. That's always, since the beginning, that seems like this has been the only reality that works is you just got to literally have everybody fixed and test everybody every day. And, just, and as soon yeah. as you find one, snatch that person out and, you know, test everybody again. And so, I don't know. But in the end, we wish The Rock and Robert Pattinson both good health and well. Because and everyone else who might be affected by this. Yes, and everybody around them, everybody they came in contact with, everything, all that, the whole chain. Like, yeah, okay. Moving right along to more fantastical stuff that could still possibly be happening. No Time to Die. <laughs> uh, what an ominous title now. <laughs> like uh, the new James Bond 25 put out a new trailer today and by far I would say it's best trailer yet. Um, yeah, this got me psyched for a Bond movie and the most psyched I've been probably since, since um, you know, uh, what was that called? Oh, I can't believe Skyfall. it. Skyfall. Yes, which ultimately let me down, but the trailer was awesome, and I was really hyped for it when I saw it. Um, so I haven't been this hyped in a while, but this this looks pretty solid. This looks like very solid work. From um, isn't that Kerry uh, Fukunaga who did mm-hmm. this? Yeah, it looks like he made that jump from TV to big budget film pretty seamlessly, because a lot of these sequences, just the style, everything, it, it looks pretty awesome. That's a fantastic trailer. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really hoping. Trailer. I'm really hoping that the the film like does carry that you know like as as many things happen throughout that production like i i really hope that this is indicative of what the movie looks and feels like um i'm not saying it's not going to be it i mean i'm really excited for this movie but just i you know we've seen how much went wrong on that set uh, throughout the time that they were filming so i'm hoping that this isn't just one of those situations where it's a great trailer and then it's just masking so like something Skyfall. else behind it 
or no, Skyfall was great. Are you talking about Spectre? Because Skyfall really was good. good. No. no, I don't like Skyfall. Quantum Solace love... had a good trailer too, and that was yeah. I mean, like Suicide Squad. I mean, the first New Mutants trailer was awesome. You know, Kofi, your favorite Terminator Salvation. Oh yeah, that's still the that's still the gold standard of the counts trailers. Terrible movie. The Counselor for me is the best trailer. Oh my god, yeah, The Counselor. Yeah, I had such a good trailer. Such a letdown. <laughs> I love the counselor. I hate you guys. All right. You like the movie The Counselor, Kofi? <laughs> I, Cormac McCarthy is one of my favorite authors, and it's just a Cormac McCarthy book with that like Cormac so, McCarthy words. That was so Cartman-esque, by the way. Yeah. I hate you guys. <laughs> that does not just because you like the author doesn't mean it's a good movie. Is so I like hearing people on screen recite Cormac McCarthy writing. Like I, I, I like that. So I'm not one to tell people they're wrong, but about an opinion, but Kofi? Brandon Davis, I, I, I'm slightly contractually obligated never to point out the hypocrisy of what you're doing right now. You're Respect just his authority. Take that four stars. Hey, four the star advice here. Sit back. You, I, I, feel, I don't feel bad. You like the counselor. Stop. Stop pushing me. Stop pushing me. How do you push someone when they like, you have one of those? Oh, oh my God, God, the counselor. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wow. Who knew this would be the film We're to keep when the, Seven years later, here we are arguing about the <laughs> counselor, a movie that probably a third of the people listening to this right now are like, I've never even heard I've of it. I've never seen it, so I have oh, nothing to wait. May, um, a third might have watched it. Like, no, it made no not. money. It made yeah, no, no one money. saw this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Anyway. And it has, oh man, I'm not going to get it. It is such a good cast. It is such a good cast. No, it's not what I'm going to say. It has one of the best monologues about catfish that I will, that you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Kofi. (laughs) All right. So watch James Bond, No Time to Die trailer. It's pretty hype. We have it on comicbook.com movie. Moving right along. So we got to learn that the uh, Mandalorian is coming back and it's coming back just in time for Halloween, October 30th. And as uh, Mr. Brandon Davis tweeted out though, this kind of raises some other questions. Mando's coming a lot later than we probably thought it would. Um, it's eight episodes, and it's now kind of raising the question of what else? Because Disney Plus said it was going to be kind of linking these big original series and Star Wars and Marvel kind of back-to-back. We were supposed to go from, like, you know, I think it was like Falcon Winter Soldier to Mandalorian to WandaVision, and that was supposed to carry us through the fall and to the end of the year. Now it just seems like Mando is going to be stretching from the end of October through the end of the year. Uh, Brandon Davis, you want to take this away? What, like, what, how are you feeling about this? I mean, it's, it's not surprising, but it still sucks. Like, you know, it's a shame that they weren't able to get this stuff done. But, I mean, uh, we have, if, if Mandalorian's eight episodes long, its last episode is going to be on December 18th, and I've heard that that is what's happening. Uh, and that would mean if if WandaVision, the only show that might be ready by then, is going to follow Mandalorian directly, then it's going to premiere its first episode on Christmas Day. Uh, and if it wants to go not on Christmas Day, then it could do New Year's Day. But I just, it's very clear that we're not getting a Marvel show in 2020. Um, and who knows? Like, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier has a lot more work still to do than WandaVision does. We don't know if Falcon and Winter Soldier is tied to Black Widow in some way or vice versa. So it's all, and Disney is just completely silent on all of these things. And I mean, I understand why, because why put out information which might change and then have conversations that don't even need to be had. And then the internet consumes its information, relays it to its friends, and then it ends up not being true. And the messages are totally mixed. So right now, no one knows what the f- is going on. 
except we're not getting Marvel shows in 2020. I mean, we'll, we'll, I think we're going to get like one episode or two episodes of a Marvel show in 2020. I don't but think so. I, I, oh, I think, I think we get technicality. No, I, I think, no, I'm saying, I think we get, I think WandaVision <laughs> premieres on Christmas. I think that like, um, what was it? Netflix had a show um, last year or the year before a big thing that they launched or a movie they launched on Christmas. I can't remember what it was. It was a big streaming thing launched on Christmas and it was a big deal. It wasn't a Christmas thing. It was just like that's when Bird we're releasing Bird Box. No, Bird Box was earlier in the in the month. Um, right. So, something launched on Christmas. I can't remember. But anyway, you, I mean, no one's at work. You got all this attention and stuff. Marvel. I, I think that they could launch a thing on Christmas. I think you know, one division is the one that's always been. It seemed like that they'll be able to get it done faster because I it's mean, all. If know, anything, in I think location. they may they may be shifting a few things around. I know that they've been able to continue work on What If, and I've heard they've just rolled straight into a second season on work in What If. So I think that maybe they kind of restructure that and we see the animated show before anything else. But I do know, I know for fact that episodes of What If are tied to certain movies which have to come out before it. So I don't know if that's even going to be possible in December. Uh, So we'll see. But I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on the interconnectivity, which is things we can only speculate on because, you know. I mean, all all we do know for sure is that we, we should have already been watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now. We'd be on episode three today. We would be. Yep. But here, but 2020, the unrelenting, awful year just won't let us have any victories. We had DC fandom, and then it was like, ha, psych, Black Adam, Batman. Wrong. We had one big victory. We're getting a real cut of Justice League, a real four star cut of Justice League. <laughs> it's probably going to be five stars. I hope, I hope it's much better than The Counselor. Oh, my God. By the way, were you the regular about the Witcher, Justice League Charlie? is better than the Counselor? Hey, listen, listen, no, listen. No, it wasn't the Witcher. I, no, no, I'll no, look no. it up. But, like, it let's be clear: the movie you guys are making fun of me about was not so bad I that they went it. back and were like, "No, we're sorry, we're sorry. We'll give you the real version." You're 100 percent right. That's because it was so bad the first time they made it that they didn't bother. That, that that's some pretzel 2020 ass logic right there that you were trying to. Uh, wrap. Season two of Lost in Space was Christmas Eve. Oh man, oh, I still didn't that's, that's what I was talking about. Was Lost in Space? Was, All right, was Eve. save the fight for anyway. tenant. Let's keep moving. Kofi's gonna try to put us against each other when really I think the villain of today's show is Mr. Counselor Man. Oh, he's I, always I, the I villain, he just doesn't admit it. I appreciate I don't care. <laughs> I'm also the host of the show. Like, I so wow. this is a villain show. This is, this is going off the rails. Plan, which was my original plan for this podcast, which was a villain's podcast. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, speaking of good things and uh, positive things or other troubling things, I don't know anymore. Uh, this show just is truly going off the rails. But uh, so in our last show, we had to remember Chadwick Boseman, who tragically passed away from colon cancer. And it's we're not going to be jumping into it too fast but there was a kind of piece by one of the trades talking about what the situation was at disney and marvel and it was interesting in the sense that it kind of laid out the reality of how who it was aware or what the awareness was over at disney and marvel about his condition and his decline and what all that was like and basically like nobody really knew Kevin Feige got like noticed hours before he died. Um, none of the big execs really knew his condition. And so right now, like, as you can imagine beyond there's just two things happening at once is they're getting slammed with all the grief and the shock from knowing Chadwick on a personal level 
as a colleague or an employee or whatever it was um, that they knew him, the man. And now there's all this crazy kind of, you know, like what the F to do about like Black Panther 2 and the character's appearance. And, you know, we learned that he was getting ready to, he never believed that he was going to die. He thought he was going to be, he was keeping that attitude that he was going to beat cancer and make Black Panther 2. And he was fully committed to that. That's why he didn't tell anybody or say, hey, let's delay this or, or we may have to. And so he was getting ready to prepare to gain back the weight he had lost through cancer and treatments in September. Like now he was going to get up and start, you know, Black Panther Jack. And oh, that sounds so bad. Getting jacked up to play Black Panther again now. So and they were going to start production early next year. And so, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a crazy scramble. And I wrote up the piece on this, and I was trying not to make anybody mad because we're not, like, rushing to, let's just move on with Black Panther. Um, this is just the reality of the situation. People are curious, like, you know, what was the level of awareness and preparedness? And it is, like, there was none. So we're kind of out here without a battle plan right now. And there's so much that has to shake out the ramifications, like I said. People got to process all this to even begin with. Yeah. To see if somebody like Ryan Coogler wants to still come back or is contracted to come back or if Marvel still for, you know, says, okay. Or, I mean, these are really, really crazy circumstances. So, you know, you don't know like what might happen and, you know, where things could shake out. Um, I did boil this down to saying there is just kind of one way to treat this, which is either to, I mean, there's one dilemma we're all circling, right? And that's what to do with Chadwick's absence. Do you recast him as Black Panther? Or do you go in one of the many alternative routes that the Marvel Comics lore has offered you? The most obvious being fans wanting to see Letitia Wright step up as Shuri and inherit the mantle of Black Panther. Uh, right now, I, I think for my thing, I like to walk and chew gum and I don't think there's a right answer to this. I think either way is hard. Um, the Shuri storyline, if you're going by Marvel comics still requires some weird segment where there's a black Panther that has to kind of get like either taken out or, or disabled or left comatose. And you got to do that whole sequence with some person in a suit. Um, that's obviously not Chadwick Boseman to kind of catapult that storyline. Um, and, and there is benefits to that because the Cabal, the, you know, Namer, Dr. Doom, these are all involved characters that Marvel wants to introduce. Um, the other thing is recasting, depending on who you recast as Black Panther, uh, there's a way to kind of really cast an actor that fans will embrace and, and will be able to kind of almost get that Excalibur X access to, taking on this beloved thing and, and actually honoring Chadwick by, by taking on that performance and, and putting another good one behind it. So um, I think either way is tough as hell. Either way is potentially very beneficial um, both to the franchise and to the fans. So I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. And that's my two cents. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it, it's up to people that make a lot more money than us to make those decisions and people that knew Chadwick personally. And I think that's the bigger thing, you know, is, is it's not just deciding from a business perspective, what to do. It's deciding how to best honor him because of how much he, he meant to everybody involved and to make sure that they do the right thing that, you know, that honors his legacy and his memory and honors what he would want to do with it. And, you know, that's what I'm going to be watching really carefully is, is Ryan Coogler. You, know, you mentioned what, 
you know, Kugler, you know, if he's contract, if he's contracted to come back, if he wants to come back without, you know, Chadwick Boseman, who knows, none of us know any of these things. But. Yeah. I mean, and normally I would think even if, but here's what I was trying to tiptoe around is there are always usually contracts and things like that in place, but this is one of those cases where yeah, even the business might say, look, man, you know, I know, but. Right. And, that, that, but, and my point is if Ryan Kugler sticks around, the relationship he had, the relationship the whole cast had with each other and with Chadwick and his relationship with all of them and just his talent. Uh, if he's around and that cast is all around together, I completely trust them to make whatever decision they make and do whatever they do because they're going to, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to do it the right way. And they're going to do the absolute best thing for the franchise and for Chadwick and everything. And so, you know, as long as they are all sticking together, I, I have no no concern in my head. And if, if that's, if that starts fracturing and they start saying, Hey, I don't want any part of this anymore, then, then I would, I might be a little concerned about what, what they do next. Hoy, yeah. BD, you have anything on this? Uh, I don't think it's something that I'm, I'm ready to dive into. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to pass on it for that's now. Perfectly understandable. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to deep dive into our things. We got to, dissect this week one's a comic book we got a movie and we got to talk tenant spoilers and try to wrap our heads around all of that so stay tuned all right coming on back Let's deep dive first into our comic of, comics of the week. Matt gave you guys a breakdown last week, and uh, we usually try to spotlight one that we can dive a little deeper into. And well, this we have week, a little uh, bit of breaking news, if you want. Oh, God, I love real-time reactions. Hit me. All right, so a Silk live-action Marvel series is in the works at Sony Pictures Television. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> 2020, baby. All right. Forget go. the comics. Forget the comics. We got to, I mean, we'll talk comics next week. We got we to gotta get into this. Uh, uh, is this up on the site yet? Not yet. So oh, I'm reading man. it directly from, we're literally reading this in real time. <laughs> oh, I uh, love real time. Mostly because Jim forgot that I was podcasting, so he pinged me. <laughs> uh, Producing. Uh, what producer? Uh, so uh, let's see. Is developing Lord, a live Lord, Lord Miller series producing. on Silk? Yeah, Lauren Moon is in talks to write. Lord, yeah, Lauren Moon's writing it. Lord and Miller are producing. But it's live action. Yes. It's Sorry, action. continue, Matt. Thank you. Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, it's that it is in development uh, um, from Lord and Chris Miller, our executive producing. Uh, and then Lauren Moon is in negotiations to write the film. She wrote Good Trouble and Atypical. It also says uh, no network or streaming service is currently attached, but the sources say Amazon is in talks to acquire the project. Yeah. Amazon uh, has been throwing money at like real IP. So this is, I would love uh, to see that. Yeah, that would, that would be something I would be I mean, after Lord of the Rings and, uh, and then what they're doing with Fallout, like, they're putting real – I mean, we, we've all seen the boys, like, what they've done with the boys. Yeah. They're putting uh, real money in that stuff. Also, this they, is just really interesting from a, from a character perspective because Silk is a, like, lesser known of the Spider-Verse characters, but she has a very devout following. She's Korean. There's a whole aspect of her culture a lot like, you know, like Kamala Khan, and you're able to kind of access this whole other – side of the of the marvel universe uh and then just her origin and things like that it can be so different depending on which comics you read there's a lot there 
Like there's a lot of really interesting stuff here. So and yeah, they don't even awesome. read. They don't also don't rule out that uh, the actress from Spider-Man: Homecoming, Tiffany Epson, you know, whether or not they would cast her. I mean, that seems a little unlikely, but it is noted in this initial report because she, the character, was featured in yeah. Homecoming as like a, that was like an Easter egg. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of why. You know, I, I kind of look at that as the same way that like Psylocke was featured in the X in X three, but then we got a true. Now there's a, hold on. There's a there's a follow up. There's a follow up report from another outlet. This is from Deadline. Amazon and talks for Sony's suite of TV series featuring Marvel characters led by Silk. So Ooh. Silk will be the first one, but Amazon is apparently talking about oh getting Marvel Sony TV shows exclusively on Amazon. Bro, what oh, is going boy. on? A high-profile <laughs> yes. package of shows, the first title being Silk. Oh, man. You know what that – that's – okay. This is, this is like, very hype-worthy and gravy on, on a couple levels. But one is because, like, if we're all looking at, like, Silk levels, like, not exactly giant, well-known characters. Like, this opens the floodgates if there's, like, several kind of as a package – there's a lot of like B and C level characters that I know everyone on this panel loves <laughs> that like, that would be this. Well, would, I mean, I, this there's, rate, there's one more, there's one more aspect of this that I missed. The sweet approach, the, the sweet being the sweet characters is similar to the sale of four Marvel series and a limited series by Marvel TV to Netflix, which was led by Daredevil. So I don't know if that means that they're trying to, it's going to be a whole connected universe going on on Amazon with all these different shows. Yeah. That's interesting because, stuff. Remember, the deal with Netflix was they got a set of characters they were authorized to use and an overall set of episodes that they were allowed to use them in. And how they decided to use them was up to them. Yeah. So that's, I'm interested if that's going to be a similar deal. So um, I mean, this also, obviously brings up questions of like, is this part of, is this, does this share our universe with Venom? Which we already don't know if it's part of the MCU. I knew Venom was going to come up. With. Well, like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually looking at it, and it's not crazy to wonder if this Tiffany Espenson could. I mean, she has a lot of history as an actress. I mean, she's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. She just has never had a big breakout. She's already been in Spider-Man: Homecoming. If you're going to connect this universe, like she isn't a crazy pick. She's a TV actress no. who is affordable, who you can launch through this thing. She's Asian. She's already well known in like a certain kids circles because she's been in a thousand kids things and like, you yeah, know, who are probably now a lot older and of age. And yeah. So, I mean, yeah. She a would be a great questions. pick. It's just also, more about like, I doubt that at the time when they, you know what I mean? Like when they, when they cast that, it was probably from, no. Like, they know. Cool, oh, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. But if I were a business person, I'd be like, "Who do we pay? And how much do we pay her? <laughs> do it. Oh, get her. <laughs> like, yeah." It also says sources close to the situation caution that the complex talks are still in early, are still in early stages, and there are still issues that need to be resolved. So I think money, this money, is money, where, money. Uh, two different trade reporters caught wind of the same conversation and idea. And they both race to publish it, and we may never see this. But we'll and it's it's also really interesting that it, this is Sony because, by my count, I could be wrong. When I think about like the major studios, Sony's the only one that doesn't have like a streaming option. Yeah, no, because Warner Brothers has HBO, and you know you've got uh, Disney Plus, yeah, Peacock, Paramount, and with you know CBS. Uh, with CBS. Is just developing every Spider character before Apple buys Sony and Marvel. Some, some right, I'm just saying, like, like right now, there's not a clean like 
these shows yeah, go oh, here, know. you know? I know. And I agree that we might never see this, but I feel like we add that caveat to anything we talk about. Uh, <laughs> like, like there's a lot of that stuff. Well, yeah, but so, like, but the thing well, with this is, it's Sony, not a matter about money if you're talking about Amazon. The difference here is that it's not, uh, it's like, if it's a matter of money and contracts, I feel like Amazon is a company that can handle that and absorb that. If it's going to be anything, it's going to be about creative control and things like that, and, or which characters are in a deal that's going to hold up any anything. Well, yeah, I, don't I don't think, think money holds has up any here. short any shortness of 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 cash for the budget. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I don't think this is if this is not good, it's not going to be because they didn't put enough money into it. You're just saying that, like those are the hangups. Like that, that's all that's happening right now. Like you know, it's it's all going to be over yeah. dollars and cents and. You know, and long-term connections and plans. They that, that is, to me, the biggest thing is, like, do we invest all yeah. this money? Because, obviously, we can all point to the Netflix deal. But when you point to the Netflix deal, you point to all the successes. But you also point to what went wrong and the fallout and the fact that Marvel can't use certain characters still because of contact. There's all that baggage. So, like, for both Amazon and Marvel going into this thing and Sony going into this thing, I feel like those are the biggest issues to get around and like figure out, is it worth all this money? We want to make sure we have these, you can't pull out, we can't get screwed. I don't feel like money itself is the issue here as it is with a lot of deals. So we cannot mess up our one chance at a cardiac movie. Dude, all I'm saying, all I'm saying. (laughs) So many Spider-Verse characters. Bite the bullet and make a Pineapple Express sequel and then we'll all be happy. And by all, I mean me. All right, so that's it. We're going to have to keep an eye on this. That's a real-time reaction that we could be getting some kind of uh, B or C-level Spider-Verse. It's crazy. Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Cardiac, Madam Web. Good day for Silk fans. Good day for Silk fans, man. Great day to be a Silk fan. <laughs> Sp- hey, this has been a good run, man. Like, Spider-Woman, <laughs> Spider-Gwen. Well, I wasn't and, on the podcast for Spider-Woman, but that's one that I'm excited for. I know Matt is over the moon about that. I am. Very excited. So it's good. I'm day. over the moon about anything that Olivia Wilde is going to direct from here till eternity. Yeah, that's going to be that's a anyway. It's a good. Thing. All right, moving right along from that breaking news, Charlie, give us a quick review of Mulan because I want to have some time to talk. To yeah, you. for sure. I'll be really quick. Uh, Mulan is actually very good, and that, that shocked me a lot. Um, I've not been a huge fan of the Disney live action stuff. I like Aladdin was fun, um, but not great. Uh, I hated Lion King. I didn't like Jungle Book. Lady and the Tramp was fine. Like they were all, they've all been okay to bad. Um, and and this one was actively really good. It, it, it takes elements of the animated movie uh, and, and blends them into this live action. Like it's a really martial arts Kung Fu movie. Like the action is very different than you'd expect um, given the, the source material, at least you know, given the animated movie. Um, the, the story's a bit different. It's still the same core of, you know, Mulan is, and her dad is called the army and she takes his place and pretends to be a man and then has to save China. And so, I mean, the, the core is there, but there's a different villain. Um, it's more in line with one of, one of the old Mulan stories. Um, it deals a lot with, with Chi and uh, this inner energy that allows you to do these extraordinary things. Um, it kind of it builds on, on that kind of legend. Um, and, adds a lot more to it in that way. Um, it's, it's some of the most beautiful like set landscape pieces I've seen in a while. It, 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 I'm really disappointed I can't see it in the theater because um, this was really, really made for a big screen. It's a really grand, big film. Um, 
a lot of the a lot of the action sequences are really like fun hand to hand combat like um crouching tiger hidden dragon like like spinning through the air it's it's really really cool um some the the score is one of my favorites of the year uh they they take a lot of the melodies from the music in the songs in the original movie and they weave them into the score and so there's there's points where she's kind of getting her armor ready and getting ready to go and you hear reflection in the score um and it really you know pays great homage in that way um there's there's some fun to be had with it, uh, but it's also a really action packed adventure. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I, like I said, I think it's it's far and away the best of a uh, Disney live action remakes. It's all about you know if if thirty bucks Nobody to own a digital movie is uh, is worth it to you. But yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. So what you're saying is it's better than the silly ones Matt loves. Well, he just described all the reasons why I'm not going to go see it or watch it. So you, you are a <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's not cute enough for Matt. No, it's not cute. No, enough. here's the thing: it's none of the fun Disney magic stuff because it's all no, the, it's all just, the it's movies a good you movie. listed: Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book. All those movies have that in spades, and that's why they were all they them. were all horrible. That's what? No, they weren't horrible. That's why they people liked them. So again, bad. if this movie has, and by the way, let's go look at uh, Charlie's review of Aladdin. If we're going to call out. Yeah, reviews, three. I gave, way, it a, he, I gave it. I gave it three out of five. You in Slack, three just five. glowed. You glowed about it, how great it was, and how oh my god, surprise, it's not out of me, and like da da da. You and gave Lady in the Tramp five stars because but you said I it was stand, cute. But you I said stand it was behind cute. mine, Charlie. I don't go back six months later and say I don't. Oh, they were crap. Pull up my review. <laughs> three out of five no, stars. I said I it was fine. I stand behind my reviews. I don't have that. Everybody, you do. Everybody. You can stand behind bad opinions all day. Be my guest. I'm just saying. I just saying. All I said was that is why if it's so polar opposite to all those. It's, I, I just great described movies, why it's not polar opposite. I am not. I'm not interested. That's all you I said. Thought any of those movies. If you thought any of those movies were great, that's a whole different issue. Beauty and the Beast you. was great. Beauty and the Beast was great. I loved Beauty and the Beast. I didn't like I, Lion King, but I still liked the magical moments in it. There are some. It's not my favorite by any means. I really I, liked Aladdin. I gave The Counselor three point five out of five, and I stand behind it. <laughs> I stand by a three out of five. For, I said Aladdin was like, was all right. It had some good moments. Yeah, but that's not how you were at the time. That is not I how was you just so shocked person. that it wasn't a disaster. That's not, but now it's crap. Now it's like, uh, it's, it's all those movies were not great. I gave it a three out of five. That's what that means. Trash. I'm saying you just said they were not great to trash is how you describe yeah, all so of it, the Disney not live great, movies. But still good. Like it's not great. So that's I what I'm saying. I'm great. Yeah, but that's, that's what, what I saying. said when I reviewed it. Like that's what a three out of five means. It's not great. It's fine. It's not okay. That's it's that's positive. Right. It's not bad. All right. So that's oh, Disney this shit is hilarious. I'm sorry that I don't choose my review scores based on like, oh, I thought that was adorable, and I went, oh, and then I gave it a when five a movie, star. When a movie is supposed to elicit a reaction of sentiment, I'm going to lean into that if it made me feel that. Guys, I'm, I'm always like that. Say, this is a classic like critics argument and. There, nobody's right. Either way is right. I agree. You can, I you never can, you can reward a movie for doing what it's intending to do, even yes. if overall the movie is not good on a cinematic level. It's going to entertain the people it was meant to. You can grade it that way, or you can grade it cinematically on an overall level of cinema. Just, I don't think either way is left. Just for I'm just trying to argue what three out of five means is all I'm trying to argue. I, just so everybody listening knows, when the when this ends, we're all still friends. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Anytime I've argued with anyone on here, we we do at the only end. because we're not in the office anymore. Otherwise, the violence in the in the in the 
tension would never stop. No, right. because when, when I've, we've had arguments in the office and got real heated, then me and Charlie walk out and we'll be like, well, it was a good show. <laughs> yeah, and we've also gotten arguments in the office that have require yeah. seminars. So, like, yeah. Says, yeah, all right, let's move along. <laughs> tenet, let's talk about Tenet, something we can all try to figure out and work together on again. So, tenet time, baby. Christopher Nolan's Tenet. This is going to be a full spoiler review of Tenet. We know this movie is having a very kind of staggered release across the globe. It is going to be out in theaters in the U.S. where possible this weekend. But we know, you guys, we know. So we know not everybody's going to get to it. So that's why we saved it to the end. If you do not want to hear any of this, drop off now. Come back when you've seen it and hear how we kind of took it apart and looked at it. But this is going to be a full spoiler discussion of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. All right. Tenet spoilers discussion. Get off if you don't want to hear it. All right. That's it. <laughs> I got to go, guys. Yeah. No, stop it. So, Tenet. All right. Let's start about the thing. This is a Nolan movie. Um, you know, I think some of the criticism is fair is that Nolan has settled into a formula. So, this, this does not reinvent the Nolan movie wheel by any means. So, the thing is always built around a gimmick, a kind of sci-fi gimmick to a usual kind of espionage story and, and then a twist, right? Um, so let's just get right to it. The premise in this is that John David Washington is this, he is kind of espionage agent investigating a tenant and this phenomenon of, of materials that have been kind of irradiated to go in inverted entropy, meaning they're moving backwards through time rather than forwards through time. The twist in tenant is that this is not just possible for inanimate objects but also for people through this weird turnstile kind of uh, machine thing they can go through to kind of invert themselves and be moving backwards through the flow of time so what kind of the movie is is all about is john david washington trying to stop this russian billionaire played by kenneth brana from you know destroying Plain director of artemis fowl yeah but Kenneth Branagh is really good in this movie. I mean, this is like one of his best performances. Professor of the Dark Arts from Harry Potter. Come on now. Yeah. Um, yeah. In our cowardly general of Dunkirk. I love that Brandon makes Harry Potter references now. It makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, he's trying to stop him from destroying the world by kind of, I forget. I, I mean, this movie, I'm still trying he to piece wants, it out. So, essentially, he has found all nine parts of this algorithm, which if activated together can reverse the flow of time for the entire world because he thinks he's playing because he's a little man who thinks he's playing a god because he thinks people have polluted the world and destroyed the earth to the point where it's going to end and he's willing to even sacrifice and people son. from the future so, have essentially been inverting things and sending them back money yeah, so and he wants to invert he the entire continue. world which right. would then kill everyone yeah. because he there thinks that if he dies nobody else should live on yeah and he's yeah he's sick with cancer and he's dying because um, he grew up in one of the irradiated towns and found the first inverted things and kind of pieced together that whole mystery. So to stop him, John David Washington's character has to investigate Tenet, go on this mission, ends up stopping him. And the twist, of course, is finding out in the end that he is the founder of Tenet. And this is basically the origin story of Tenet. Um, and so he goes on this mission, stops, saves the world, and realizes he's going to have to kind of do this and goes, starts inverting and going back in time and, and setting all the pieces in place to kind of do it. But it's a river. He works in kind of what is called like a uh, inverted pincer or whatever they call it in the movie, which is that some people are moving forwards. Half his forces are kind of moving forwards in time. Half are kind of moving backwards. 
and, and coordinating those efforts to kind of keep the world safe. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot to take apart here because as with any Nolan movie, it's about the mechanics of the gimmick, right? Because um, a lot of people are already spiraling off into, into theories about people from the future kind of coming back and all that stuff. And I don't know if the movie gets that crazy about it, like time travel. I, I think it's, it's more of a localized thing and the span of it's a little shorter. So there are theories. So this, in this, there's a character played by... The other big twist is that there's a character in Hard to Understand about the finale because Nolan editing, and he, he, I think he should work with a new editor personally. But Robert Pattinson's character's name, Neil, is somebody who John David's character, or John David Washington's character, who's called the protagonist, which makes me want to shoot myself every time I say that. He does not have a real name. No, he's called the protagonist. Nolan finally, yeah. I'm not even going to go there, but I hate it so much. Not the movie itself. I just hate that his name is the protagonist. Yeah. And how often he says... I'm the protagonist. Uh, I'm the, the protagonist. Yes. Yeah. That's a whole different, uh, I could have a whole hour yeah. long discussion about yeah, this. His, at a his name, time. like layer cake does that very well. Where at the end, Daniel Craig says, and I, and I'm so good at this. I never even told you my name. And you're like, Oh wait, Holy crap. You're like, I don't even know this guy's name. And then he's like gone, but this is just like kind of cheesy about it with I'm the protagonist. And like, that's his name in the movie. Um, that's the only kind of designation. I have no problem with that. I don't either. I just thought it's a cheesy kind of pun joke. Like, um, and I hate those. And I don't think it, it, if it had been said once in like a key scene or something, like I, I would have been okay with it. But I don't care about him not having a name because that's a good thing. But that's, that's purposeful for the story as well. Yeah, because it, it is. It's, it's not like, I, I didn't see it as like a, a little cheesy gag joke or anything. I saw it as like the way time is perceived is through my eyes. So I am the protagonist. Like that was kind of to really- Yeah, I got it in the, in the movie. Just the yeah, idea yeah. of like not giving him a name. Like I don't mind them saying it in the movie. It's just like, oh, his name no, is- No, I don't mind the not name because that's espionage world. And that was the tenant world. None of them were supposed to use real identifiers or names and all that and, stuff. And we did it like he's a character who didn't get very much like thorough development. I don't know. Was the, who, where's this guy come from? Is he married? Was he divorced? Like, does he have parents? Like what, I don't know much about him. What, what makes him tick? The purpose was he is the, the purpose of him is to tell this story. Well, you get brushstrokes. You get brushstrokes that in that first kind of theater thing that he is a dude who's just about the mission. Like he yeah, is exactly that. like his whole life is the is the mission, and that's why he becomes the tenant dude. Like he doesn't have a life outside of this. Like saving the world, completing the things, completing the mission, and and saving people alongside completing the mission is like who he is. And his whole He's a purpose, protagonist, is man. Um, but the ending is that they have to get through this final cage door to kind of stop the algorithm from being activated and they can't get there. And they're about to lose when a corpse that's laying on the ground inside the cage, like suddenly reverses back to life, blocks a gunshot and basically allows uh, the protagonist to kind of get in the cage and stop and stop the bomb. And what you kind of find out the final twist of the movie is that this corpse that was laying there is Robert Pattinson's character but a future version of Robert Pattinson's character who, you know, knew he had to invert back to this time in this place and, and kind of sacrifice himself in order for them to save the world. And so the protagonist realizes it, that it's, it's his partner, Neil, because of a bag that with this kind of, you know, signature tassel on it that the corpse has on the ground. Um, and so when he gets back up, he, he, so they stop the bomb, but they can't get out of the hole, him and um, Aaron Taylor Johnson's soldier character, who's another tenant soldier. Uh, but they get pulled out of the ground by Robert Pattinson's character. And it's then that John David 
or John, um, John David Washington's kind of like, you know, pieces it together that, that he knows him, that they have a connection. Like this isn't like the first time he met and the Robert Pattinson's character confesses that. And I looked this up on Wikipedia and how it's written down, Charlie, just to double check for this whole Neil theory thing. But he says that you have a great future in the past and you know we become friends and we get up yeah, to it. it's it's his past he's no he's from the no and this is what i want to be what? clear about wait who's pa- what are you talking about who's past charlie no no this is what i want to be clear about he recruited neil from the past neil was an espionage agent and at some point before this movie is set he met john david that's Washington not what Harris. happens i'm at all. Ta- okay i'm telling you that that's what he what talks about the end of the movie is he that he goes on to then meet neil in in his future that and that's what that's the whole thing neil was talking about is that your future is my past i can't tell if you're both right or if charlie if if kofi is wrong because what what i and i'm gonna lay this out you've seen this twice hold on here's what's written out out on wikipedia let me lay it out and you guys tell me if i if you both agree with me what happened is at the end of the movie robert pattinson explained to john david washington he said are you have a great future in the past so this is the end of a long relationship for me. It's just the beginning for you. So that moment set in motion the fact that the protagonist had to, at some other point in time, meet Neil, Robert Pattinson, and recruit him. And they went on an uncertain number of missions, whether they were in the future or in the past. They were traveling both ways through time to prevent what they refer to as what might have been. And it all led to this pincer movement, which is where Robert Pattinson's character dies. Yes. The only thing me and Charlie are arguing about is if those adventures were set in the future or in the past. Well, Here's I, I think that on. that is unclear. I don't think that is defined. Well, when he first makes contact with Neil, not, not all of their adventures. Obviously, they move through time. Right. So, the, so for Neil, the first, the first time that Neil meets John David Washington, when, 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 that when we see. When the, right, no, no, no. I'm, yes, that was new for the protagonist. It was not new for Neil. I'm, Kofi is referring to when it is the first in, interaction with the protagonist for Neil. Like this version of Neil has never met the protagonist. That has to be a version of Neil set before this. So, but that said, yes, that's what I'm saying. But that's, that's, that's the only thing clear. Yeah. That's but, unclear because there could be a version of Neil which is out in this world that that the protagonist goes and meets and recruits him, and they go to the future and they go to the past, and eventually because yeah, well, yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. Follow, you have to think about though is the protagonist's story. So you look at his timeline, and in, in any point in his life, he has not met Neil. He yes, meets it, is, him for the, it is undoubtedly the, the future from the protagonist's perspective. Correct. Whether it's the future from the, the, like the way I describe this is there is a main timeline. There is one straight timeline you cannot touch unless, unless the bad guy won and it starts going backwards. But let's say that's the main timeline. We all operate on that main timeline moving forward. Our lines, according to this movie, are already determined and they can fold backwards and go the other way on themselves and then flip over, in which case there will be multiple versions of yourself existing simultaneously. So for you, getting to the end of that line might require, if you're, if you're in this world of Tenet and you're going backwards and forwards through time, going along that main timeline, you can only operate parallel to it. So you can move forward and to you, it's new. Every bit of movement is new to you. But if you go backwards, that's still new to you. And so he can go at some point in that timeline and overlap with the earlier version of Pattinson's character that has not gotten to that point where he meets the protagonist. And then those lines start to intersect and interact and all that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that from what I'm 
putting together and what's written down here. There was, okay, so let's say the protagonist and Neil have both been espionage agents for 10 years. Yeah. Two, okay. Two years. Yeah. They meet in year 10 of their career. That, that's when the protagonist meets Neil in this movie. That's year 10 of his career. A year 10 of protagonist's career. Yeah. But when he recruits Neil, he inverts at some point after the events of this movie and goes back to like, say, year five of their career. And he meets Neil at a time when there's another version of the protagonist out in the world. But in this version, he's meeting Neil and he recruits him in year five and says, hey, by year 10, I come to you and you meet me uh, and, and I meet you for the first time. And we get in and I discover this whole time, you know, inversion thing. And we form this group. I mean, yeah. okay. So my two points on that is I don't know if that's I don't know if there's any reason that that has to be the case. I don't know that the movie indicates when they met, whether it's before the events of Tenet being formed or after the events of Tenet being formed. Either way, they arrive together by by the protagonist recruiting Neil to form Tenet. And the other thing is maybe the protagonist didn't rec- tell Neil about it because it's the same thing where when you see the moment where he took his mask off and he said, why didn't you tell me not to shoot him because it was me? And Neil says, some, you have to suppress some things because if you tell them, they might not turn out the way that they're supposed to or whatever, then... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you for all that. This is all kind of the only person who knows is Nolan if he even knows. Like there's so much that happens off screen and it's, it's largely implied what happens. They meet, they form tenant, they start time traveling and ultimately it culminates in them preventing this guy from ending the world. Somewhere along the way they meet and it's the first time for, the, for Neil and the protagonist knew about yeah. it already. Let me just... We see, we see Neil go back and get... And also it's indicated that they have done this several times over because in the very opening scene of the movie, when the protagonist's life is saved by a presumed random soldier, he runs away and you see the same red keychain hanging from the backpack that you saw on Pattinson walking away at the very end of the movie. So they have been doing this for a while and it's all been set in motion. And not only that, but he's, I'm pretty sure like inverted in that moment. Like he's actually, I think so too. Cause he, it's an inverted shot that saves him. Yes. Um, yeah. And he's wearing a mask and, and the gas and everything. Um, but what it's I'm just trying to like, So you can, you wait, can wait, wait, invert wait, yourself and then go back in time, but then okay. change and not be inverted and still be going back through time. It's weird. Wait, what you, wait, no, so objects look. are inverted and people are inverted. So yes. you going you, forward to I understand that. deal with an inverted object. So, and the way, the best way I think to, for people to wrap their head around that is to equate it to aging. Even if you, it, because it's new to you, if you start traveling backwards through time, if you're, you're, your perspective of it is backwards through time, you continue aging. So if I left right now and I reversed my time for six months and I went backwards for six months and then at six, exactly six months, I reversed my time and came forward again. Back at this point right now, I would be a full year older, but not a second would have passed for you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And all I'm trying to disqualify, just to be clear here, is that there's a theory going around that Neil is, is Kat's son, Max. And he grows up, and at some point in the future, the, the protagonist contacts him because he's Kat's son. My whole thing is saying, I don't see anything in this movie that indicates that level of time travel, that, like, 30 be, years. I feel like they would be different age. Like, I mean. Yeah. There's, it's, a, it's kind of one of those flimsy Nolan theories, but, like, yeah. I don't think also the crux of that theory is how they spell Maximilian and Maximilian is spelled so weird. Like nobody's basically someone said Maximilian is spelled I or L I E N at the end of this name. And that's Neil backwards. 
And that's not how that name is spelled at all. No. I, not that I've ever seen it. So that's just, no. that's where that theory ends for me. I don't even, you take time off the table. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. Uh, um, I think it, it is that Neil is a, a 21st century person who at some point is recruited by the protagonist and, and they kind of get up to things back and forth across time, like BD said. I do enjoy that theory uh, that he's her son, but, uh, but there's no indication in the movie to make you believe that. No. Um, I also want to talk about... In Tenet 2. In Tenet 2. Please don't. Two uh, tenet two. It's got to have twos on both sides. One thing Charlie brought up that had me thinking was like, what happens when you invert and how do you get back? Because the movie has these series of steps where they got to go back to earlier events of the movie and, and play it from an inverted perspective. And how do, but then they, the movie then proceeds further along the straightforward timeline. And so how do they get back? And, you know, it took me a minute to think about that, but I think one of the keys to kind of that Nolan always, Nolan has a way of kind of just, being able to dump any questions in, into like a little catch-all explanation for something. And in this one, I think it is the fact that since Tenant is an operation that's designed by the protagonist, there are all these little steps, like those shipping containers are actually, because I was wondering like during the thing, I was like, why were there so many scenes just of them sitting in shipping containers? Like, what was that about? And like having, like, obviously there were character conversations and, and building, but the shipping containers are also key because they're what they're used to kind of keep people out of the mix until while, while they do this whole kind of, it's almost like coming up from deep sea diving and you have to sit in a chamber and depressurize. And then before right, you but so then out. wouldn't they all age like incredibly rapidly because then they're like, they're yes. if, they, if they go back in time and then they have to like, just, they have to wait until the moment that they went back in time, no matter how far back they went they have to sit and wait until the moment that they went back in time. Well, I mean, yes, but like in bike, you would age at a rate of at least double, assuming you only went back once and then started and going straight again. When you arrive at that point where you originally went back, you would have aged twice as fast. Right. Yeah. But And they play with that with, and I, no one, again, needs a new editor just to linger on certain things. A no one needs a new more. editor and no one needs to, to help. He needs to hang out with his brother again. Him and his yeah. brother need to, need to hang out more. I don't know, man. I, lo- I, I feel like I'm higher on this movie than you guys no, are. I, I like the movie. I just, there's, I, as a film buff, I know how to read Nolan now because I've done it for so long, but I know when I see things that he should have lingered on just a second longer. I, my point was I think Jonathan like helps, helps keep him in check. I mean, you look at the yeah. scripts that were written with Jonathan. Like I think Memento is a great example of playing with, with time and, and perception. And it's really, really like, it's really concise and it's really yeah, you but, know, well um, explained. In this case, what I'm talking about is like cat scar. Cat scar is a detail that lets you know because she gets injured. They have to go back on that whole heist to through that. Um, Which I still even, I, maybe you can explain. I don't even know why they had to go back to save her. It's some, because she had been shot with an inverted bullet. Right. There, there was like, basically there was had to, to invert her to, to remove it and to save her safely. Um, they had to kind of like, yeah, they had to match whatever, like they had to invert her too. And then one, but once they inverted her, the only way they could get back to straightforward time was to go to a site where they knew one of those centrifuge things were, which was Oslo when they had gone on that heist earlier to Oslo. So they I don't to- know for me, just like, I mean, I, I see how there's, there are lingering questions and there, I agree some things should have benefited from being explained a little bit more. And I, I enjoy the thought provoking of this and the questions of it, which obviously like 
you're gonna i'm sure people will be like oh well beauty loves lost he loves things that don't answer everything but i felt like you can that was weirdly specific but like you know what i mean i i think they're similar like right down to a point that they they actually quote a thing from lost where several times over in this movie where pattinson says what's happened's happened so like they say that in lost so many times yeah. to simplify their rules of time travel what's happened has happened it's new to us it's not new to the future or like to people who are already there but I just felt like when I walked out of the movie, I had a full grasp on everything that happened and anything I questioned in my mind, like why was the car going this way and the other car was that? And then when you think about it, you're able to make sense of it. So there's enough there for you to figure it out, I think, but it would, I think the experience I'll admit could have been a little bit enhanced by some of it being made a bit more clear, but overall, I think, I, I think part of that clarity too was, I, I realized, I thought it was just me, but I realized a lot of people were online talking about this so much of the sound design was was really strangely put together like there's there's so many times in this movie where you cannot understand what they're talking about because they're yelling through mass and there's big you know Ludwig Göransson's sound is just like coming through your ears and it's hard to understand what just like what the words are that they're saying and it makes it more difficult to keep up with something that's already really abstract and really heady you know even for Nolan um, I I I've, I think even if, even if I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you. I, I but, uh, but I think that even if you're, even if you're one of the people who come away from this movie not understanding it, which doesn't like that's, I think that a lot of people will. It's, it's not unreasonable to have questions. But I think that the payoff of like seeing that it was the protagonist who came out of that first time, like the whatever you want, the, the centrifuge. centrifuge. Dude, that yeah. sequence is amazing. It's when, amazing, when, and it's amazing you, twice. When you get it oh. back the second time, it's just such a rewarding experience. And then when you see that it was him who also was on Pattinson's side of that room, and he took his mask off, and Pattinson saw him and let him go, when all along you thought, oh, this was obviously both of them coming yeah. back to time again. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, Pattinson knew all along. Like, th- th- and now he's fighting. I don't understand why he shot at himself. Like, unless that was just part of a play to make him believe it all along. Uh, he clearly, like, I think clearly tried to miss his own head or something. I don't know. That is one thing that I don't understand. I think in the inverted thing, he did it because he knew it had to be done. Like, I think so, too. But that's, kind that's of the only explanation I can think of. But even then, it's like, you just took a pretty oh, big... Oh, actually, it, the editing made it hard, but I wasn't sure that it wasn't the unmasked version of him wrestling with it and kind of doing that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. because I also had that same question. I was like, dude, you almost blew your own head off. Yeah, like, why did you do that? But I I just think that sequence was so rewarding. It was one of the most rewarding moments in a theater since, like, Cat picked up Thor's hammer for me. I I still think the best, I mean, it's a great scene. The car chase scene, like, at the end of the day, the movie frustrated me, and I, I understand what happened. I understand, like, the grand scheme of where the story went and where it ended up. I think that it was intentionally too infuriating at times but overall like it was still it was still a really exciting experience and still a, a good movie despite my frustrations with it um but the, the thing that i really take from it and the thing that scene i have not stopped thinking about since wasn't one of those big set pieces that fight in the kitchen in the first act oh he beats the is one of the most like you know in the batman trailer when you see batman like at the very end with the i am vengeance and like wail on the dude and just how like raw and gritty that scene was there's a scene with John David Washington just running through these mobsters in this kitchen. And like, he takes a cheese grater to a dude's face. And like, there's just, it's one of the most well executed, like 
hand-to-hand action scenes I've seen in a very, very long time. And like You're talking about was, that sound design when he landed those. Oh, punches, it was, it it was, like he went at that the- moment. I w- I had never been <laughs> more invested in a movie in a lot. Like, I was so because I you were you were down the 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 row from me. We we had a screening. It was just all of us that, that work at comic book. It was only employees, and I yelled down at you. I was like. Where was that in Batman? Like when Nolan was doing Batman, it's like where was that choreography? Where was that? That because was like it, Winter Soldier. So type of, uh, good, it was yeah. so good. He, he yeah. took that as Batman comments personally. Because and, and I, I would have liked to have seen yeah. like almost just a more straightforward spy story with more of that kind of action in it because I, I thought it was so excellent. I, I one thing I wanted to point out that I appreciated. I, I might be overanalyzing, but I thought I thought there was a couple scenes where Kenneth Branagh's character is like represented as this tiny man who's like just angry for no reason. Like he's just evil for the sake of being evil. And Kat represented not that. And since Elizabeth Debicki is so much taller than Kenneth Branagh, like they showed, I think oh, yeah. that, I think that Nolan did this on purpose where I think, you know, when the camera is angled upwards, it's an indication of who's in power in the scene. And just through normal dialogue, it always seemed like the, like the camera was pointed up at her and down at him. Unless she's always, he, she's always laying on the bed or sitting um, in a unless chair. Unless he like, was like overtly toxic. And this is best shown in the scene where they walk into the, the room where there's all the guns on the table. She's standing there. You know she has the gun that uh, J, uh, John David Washington gave her. And she doesn't even have to use it. The camera is showing that she's in power until he becomes like that tiny man villain kicks in physically and he knocks her to the ground. That's the only way he could get power was through being overtly evil. And I thought that was really clever. Oh, you're muted. Oh, for the kitchen. Sorry. I was going to say for the kitchen scene, uh, for all of that, the best action moment in this movie for me that I can't get out of my head is Elizabeth DeBecky has the best action moment kill in this movie where that whole time she's talking to him on the boat and you see her in the background, you're like, what is she doing with that lotion? She's just like, she's it a- and she unhooks the, the straps on the boat and then just shoots him, pulls him using the lotion and just slides him off the side of the boat. And that nasty shot of him going down in his head, just cracking. And that, and that's something I don't, this is a question I don't think we can answer today. I know we don't have a lot of time. And also I don't know if there's an answer to it, but the whole thing was he was going to kill himself in that moment. And he was going to no. end. No, they thought he was that. right, but he was using the pill. He yes. had the, he had the cyanide tablet that was not real because we said that's the same thing that John but David the, Washington right. used at the very beginning. But the point is that he never killed himself. That this was what happened all along. There, this is. Like, I mean, yeah, that, 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 that's the thing about time travel movies. It's always going to be what always happened. Well, right, but this is, but that shows that they, this stuck to the, the right, right. What I'm, what I'm saying though was, was his to... intention. What I'm saying was it was his intention and the pill he had was the exact same one that at the beginning, John David Washington took one that looked exactly like it. It was like silver. Yeah, yeah. And it was the, they had a whole conversation about how it was fake. It put him in a coma, but he didn't die. And he right. woke up from it later. And right. so that opens up a whole can of worms for me of like, what that meant if that was just like they happened to look the same and his was fake but they they put such an emphasis on it probably thought it was real just like the protagonist did and then because then what because what did the protagonist give him that as a fail safe so that he didn't die maybe you know because he had that pill and he had it uh when he was in the windmill at the beginning he had another one and it's like is there's it's a whole thing also the windmills like a like a like the containers too it's the same concept as the containers didn't he take it out of the protagonist's jacket I think when I've only seen it once, so I don't. I I have to go back and see. Those are details I got to really see the second time. And this movie, in the end, I think is like you really do get an enjoyment out of seeing it again 
and I'm kind of really looking forward to that. Like that, I, I'll tell I, you, when I saw that first scene, the very first scene again, and I noticed that it was Pattinson's character in the opera house, I had a moment that I because I, you all said you caught it. I don't know how you would have caught that because it's it doesn't call it, attention. No, it wasn't. The, it wasn't the detail that was caught. It was just like the idea of like we know it's yeah. about time. And then when sure. the guy is very vague, it was like, "Hey, do this," and then you never see him again. I'm like, "Well, that's probably that's probably the other guy that's in no, the movie. no." He didn't say anything. He he all he did was reverse shoot a guy who was going to kill the protagonist. He said something. Maybe it was backwards than what he no, said. And then he ran away. There was no conversation. There was no dialogue. He but I'm saying the fact that you never saw him again. Listen, like, okay, he's going to come point, up. My point here is that he saves his life kills a guy who's about to kill the protagonist and runs away and you never see anything about him. Yes, we know time travel's a gimmick. That was something. After the movie was over, I said, I had no idea that was Pattinson in the first scene of the movie. And you all looked at me and said, oh, obviously that was Pattinson. We knew. Bull, you did not no, it was it was It was either Pattinson or Washington. It was one of the no, two no, no. men uh, back in time. Here's the deal. I saw there's a close-up of the tassel on his bag. Yes, so but not I saw the very end of the movie. But I saw that, and I'm not sure, and I mean, I can't say if I saw it at the end or if I saw it beforehand, but you may want to go back and just see a third time because I'm not sure there's not – that even though they don't focus on it, there isn't shots. Where there Pat is a shot that's like, a, that's like you see from his knees up, and you see it – that's as close as it gets while he's running away. And it's up yes. the center of the frame, but there is no reason for you to pay attention to it at that point in the movie. Well, I, like I said, I've been do, I'm jaded. Well, it's one of those things where like, you're like, it's yeah. paying attention. It's, it's calling attention to a specific thing. So I'm like, well, that's a thing. That's a thing. Well, it is. It's a you thing. Did not, you did not notice the red keychain. Yes, we, I did. I've been doing it. It's, okay, I'm saying, I'm, I don't know the significance, but it's, it's the same thing as when he first I, meets him and it's like, I was trying oh, to get he'll, he'll have a Diet Coke. I didn't like, completely know. Every I knew single person on our movie. staff said that they noticed that the first time they watched it. I don't believe that all of you noticed, I noticed it. I noticed it. <laughs> I'm saying, it's the same thing as when he orders in the Diet Coke at the beginning. Right, it's like, right. you're, I love you're it. automatically <laughs> like, okay, he knows him. Like, there's something yeah. else to this. He clearly no, knows Diet him Coke. in the future. Like, a clue. It, was, yes. it was a clue. And then I just noticed it. And like, yes, halfway through the movie, I began to notice that. It's, yes, a, it's a very, very Nolan thing. It's a very Nolan thing that he did. In summary, it has the bag throughout the movie. Like, it's just you have to pay attention. That's all. Right, right, right. All right. And that's a weird note. But that's where we're going to end because we got to put a cap in this. So that'll do it for this spoilers discussion of Tenet. Um, I'm sure you guys are going to have your own theories, so let us know. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com, where you can listen in. Or you can listen in on your favorite podcast platforms, as many of you are apparently doing. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, uh, Spotify and Stitcher. You can tell your Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll get it going for you. Or you can watch video of us live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday. If you want to talk about anything like tenant spoilers or anything else, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Brandon Davis BD. I'm at Charlie Ridgely. And if you guys are just getting into the show now and discovering during our epically long 2020 quarantine arc, make sure to go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because when we're in our offices again, we got to clean out our merch closet and we're going to be sending out t-shirts to everybody who sent, left us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So uh, a lot of you have been doing that and we thank you, but uh, it's helped the show and, and helped us grow in popularity. So if you're liking it, please go and uh, add yours too because we'd love to have it and we'd love to send you a shirt. That'll do it for Comic Book Nation. We hope to see you guys again, or maybe we're 
going to be seeing you in the last show for the first time. Peace. Peace.